This is Evolutionary Radio. We're doing something a little bit different for you guys today. We're doing a relationship episode. So joining us today is Marnie, your wing girl. Marnie, welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. So I'm going to start off the show with a listener question. It's a question I have for myself as well. How did this whole wing girl thing start? Did you maybe have a brother you were helping get girls? Uh, like, How did this all start for you? Well, professionally, it started when I moved to Los Angeles and I was working in PR and I hated it and randomly ended up at a rabbi's house, which was a singles mixer. But before that, I had tons of guy friends that I was just helping get girls and not really giving myself a title for it. But when I moved to Los Angeles afterwards and I went to the singles mixer at a rabbi's house and saw that nobody was interacting with each other, I started grabbing men, pulling them over to women, starting conversations with them, helping facilitate conversations, and then leaving them when they were doing totally fine. And by the end of the night, people were making out with each other. There was like one group that was making, not group, sorry, it was not that kind of party, but there were two people that were making out with each other, a couple of numbers exchanged. Anyway, I felt very proud of myself. And I went home around 12.30 and I was talking to my roommate and I said, I want to be a wing girl. And he's like, I don't know what that is, but guys definitely don't don't want women to help them with women. And I said, I don't think you're right. I went into my bedroom and I posted an ad on Craigslist offering up a wing girl service. And then I went to bed and the next morning I woke up and there was over 75 guys who had responded back to me saying like, what's this wing girl thing? Can you help me? They were just curious about it. So I started and this is 14 years ago. So it slowly transformed from a live service where I would literally go out with men and pick up women for them to a service now where it's mainly online and I provide systems, program, tactics, tools, free advice to hundreds of thousands of men all over the world about what women really want, but more so about how to do the things that are attractive to women that will help you be very successful with women without being a jerk, without being a douchebag, uh, and without being a wimp. So, uh, Marty, I, um, I approached Trevor to bring you on. I did, for some reason, you popped up on my YouTube. I, I go on YouTube to listen to music. I don't listen to, like, sure. No, <laughs> <laughs> but um, sometimes I watch sports and music. For some reason, you popped up and you had. Oh, awesome! Pop. That's good to know. Yeah, so the mark, whatever the marketing, the analytics, or whatever YouTube, you popped up. You had a lot of followers. I watched some of your videos. I thought it was really good. So this is why um, I talked to Trevor about bringing you back because a lot of the guys that are on our forum, you know, most of our forum is men. They're into mm-hmm. fitness. They want to find a good woman. They really do. You know, they're not just all about hooking up. They want to find a good woman who takes care of herself and looks good. So, you know, that's the whole purpose of having you on. So really, you know, we have a bunch of questions from our listeners. And, the you know, if Trevor has his questions, I'm going to give you some questions. The first one that one of our forum members wants to know is, why do women like to be treated bad, ignored, talked down to, disrespected? I'm not sure I totally agree with that necessarily, but a lot of... A lot of guys say that. Yeah, a lot of guys say that to me as well. So, 
uh, you know, from the outside, that's how it appears. Women like challenges. They like men who don't just roll over and, you know, let women tickle their bellies and boss them around. They, they don't want a guy who will go run to the bar and get them a drink without questioning why they're going to the bar and getting them a drink. So women do not like a-holes. No women, no woman is sitting around with her friends saying like, I can't wait to meet a jerk and like someone who really treats me poorly and ignores me. So that's not absolutely wrong because it's what a lot of men are seeing, but no, women are not turned on by jerks. What they are turned on by is men who value themselves and are not bowled over by a pretty woman so easily just by her looks or by her breasts or by what, you know, whatever seems to be on the outside. And then as that woman gets to interact with that man, maybe she will see later down, down the road that she is, he is a bit of an a-hole. Um, but yeah, they're not attracted to that. So it sounds like though, the guy has to be like confident. If he just is a quiet, confident guy, that's what attracts women. He doesn't yeah. have to prove that he doesn't have to, you know, act and not be himself. He naturally, so someone who thinks that out there, the guys that think that, maybe they just have to work on themselves. Maybe they have to get smarter, get more fit. Do you think that that's- Well, I don't think it's-, it's, it's Those are very surface level things. So it's not smarter, get more fit. Like if you are smart and you know how to showcase your intelligence and your wit in a way that can be attractive, those can be extremely attractive things to women. If you can be very fit and a woman is drawn to a very fit body, these are all like foots in the door that can definitely create attraction, build attraction and get a woman instantly attracted to but most often, as, and the older that you get, it takes a lot more to keep that attraction alive. When you're younger and you're like really good looking, your abs are like, you know, you have like an eight pack. It is much more, it's easier to use those things to spark attraction because it's very exciting to, you know, be partnered up with the shiny pretty thing. And then all of the other stuff sort of falls into place later on down the road. Um, But as you get older, those things are not as attractive anymore. Marnie, one question I have for you is that why is it that guys, you know, who check all the boxes, like, you know, educated guys, you know, they don't have to be, you know, Brad Pitt, but they're decent looking. They're really nice guys. They're so scared to talk to girls. Like, I remember back when I was doing my engineering degree, I would have friends in engineering who, you know, were really, really nice guys. They were smart. They were decent looking. They were funny. But they were terrified to go up and talk to a girl. But on the other hand, you know, someone who's maybe just like working a trade, has no education, um, has nothing, has no savings or anything. He can go to, he can be in a bar and talk to 10 different girls and is not intimidated whatsoever. Where do you think that comes from? It comes from personality, history, experience. Some some of these guys may have been heavily rejected and, uh, or even not even heavily rejected, but rejected by one woman who they were very into a long time ago, which has put them off of interacting with, with women. They have a belief system in their head that they're not good enough. They don't know how to talk to women. So they get tongue tied, their mind goes blank and they actually do not know how to interact and talk to women. So, I mean, the fear comes from a real place for them. It's not made up, but sometimes it is a little bit, you know, expanded on because they did have a bad experience. So how do you improve yourself if you're one of those guys? You do some work to figure out who you are, what you want, find out what your value is, start to believe 
and this is all, you know, it, it's not like a, a snap of the fingers, but it is, it is work to do these things, to get to a better place with how you feel about you and how you present you to other people. Um, you practice conversation. So I have this method that's called OSA. OSA is observe, share, and ask. And it's a way to break into conversation with women without going into interview mode or without attacking women or seemingly attacking women. Uh, so it's, you make an observation, you share something about yourself and you ask a question at the very end, but you have to practice that skill. You have to learn how to be able to have conversation. If you're not practicing and learning how to have conversation, and then there's this woman that you're super attracted to. And so then you have to approach her. You have to start a conversation. You have to be interesting. You have to create attraction. That's a lot of pressure that you're putting onto yourself. So most often you're never going to be able to execute that. So most often people choose not to do that because they have a perceived outcome that they don't think that they'll ever, ever be able to match up to. Mario, so yeah. let's use a real world example. Let's say you're at the gym, you're okay. in your workout, you're stretching. I'm super attracted to you and I want to approach you to start a conversation. Would that be a good time? What would I say? Yes. Conversation. Give it's us- so funny. So, so my co-host of my podcast, I have to admit, and I'll, I'll, I'll actually give insight right now for one second. So we're on camera right now. And both of you have like the most straight face ever. Like from, and I'm internalizing it as disappointment. That puts pressure onto me, right? So I'm not, I'm not performing at my best level right now. I'm tongue tied. I'm a little bit nervous. Not that this is a bad thing. This is actually a good thing that you can use in some way if you're trying to attract women. Um, not for a podcast guest though, but, um, but I will say like, it is like the way that you present yourself first before interacting with women is extremely important. And even with people, because other, other guys can also be intimidated by you. My point is, is that if you're at the gym and you're walking around kind of looking cool, like you are right now with like a straight face and you do look over at a woman and she's smiling at you and you hold that gaze, you can still have a straight face on, you hold that gaze. There's some sort of connection that happens there and you go up to a woman afterwards. And I mean, you're very good looking. So you can go and approach and say anything that you want afterwards, you might have to say a little bit more to keep the conversation going and be interesting. But you know, you have that foot in the door there. My point is, I was going to tell a story about my co-host. So when we first started doing our podcast, the Ask Women podcast, um, she was in a relationship and all these people would come onto our show and we would have conversations and she would just like laugh at some of the guy's questions that were put out there, or she would put down a lot of the things that some of the experts who were coming onto our show were saying, because she was in a relationship and she couldn't see it from a single person's point of view. And one of the most common topics was being approached at the gym. And she said a million times over, women do not want to be approached at the gym. They don't want to be approached at the supermarket. They don't want to be approached here, there, and everywhere. Then she got single. And suddenly her advice and her opinion started to change. She's like, I want to be approached everywhere. I want every single guy to talk to me but I don't want them to bother me. I don't want them to creep me out. And I want to feel attraction towards them. So my point is, is that every person who is single is open to being approached, but it has to be enjoyable and it has to be non-creepy. And that's something that, you know, I work on guys with. So to answer your question about how do you start a conversation at the gym or how do you approach somebody at the gym, you can go over to them and say, hi, go give them a high five saying like you're kicking ass today. Like 
keep killing that treadmill, whatever it is that you want to say. And then you can walk away afterwards. You're going to see those people at the gym on a regular basis. So you can, you can build momentum with them that can stretch out over a week or two weeks, whatever you want. And then at some point you'll get into a conversation where you can flirt for about two to three minutes. And most likely you'll bring up something that you like, something that she likes, or you'll feel some sort of sense of connection. And you can say, you know what, I got to go back and do X, Y, and Z, or I have to go shower. What's your number? Put your number in my phone. I want to take you out next week. That's good. That's really, really good. I like that advice. That was a really good piece of advice because I know myself and also Steve, we're both very serious people. Um, I can see that. (laughs) It's not not intentional. Like I'm the nicest guy once you start to get to know me, but I kind of have that like, Mr. Serious face always. Yeah. And that's a really, really good thing is that I think I, when I approach women, have that like serious face and it might come off, like I might say something and it might almost come off as like an insult. Whereas if I was like, hey, I like your shoes, but I say it so seriously, then it also be like, is this asshole? Like, yeah. Well, the truth is, if I was younger, I would be totally into that because I, I would have my own insecurity saying like, I want you to like me in some way. Why can't I crack you? I can crack every other guy. As an older woman, I would just say, I don't like how I feel around you because I am nervous or I feel like I'm being judged. Sorry, that I'm not trying to insult you at all. I'm just telling you what that can do. So I'll take a step back for a second. So when I first started being a wing girl, I did a boot camp, and one of my clients said to me, Marnie, did you know that when you're really into something that you're saying, when you're really passionate about it, you have this angry look in your face when you're giving advice. It was like a frowned brow, very intense look. And he said, when you talk like that around me, I can't hear anything you're saying because I think you're angry at me. And that was a really important piece of advice. So after that boot camp that we had, um, I, I, <laughs> I can't do this with video if you're looking at your phone, sorry. It's like, I can't do it. It's too much for me. Um, uh, I took it upon myself to get rid of that frow in my brow so that I started to take notice of this thing that I was doing. So if I had a frowned brow when I was talking to somebody, I could feel it in my face because it was something that I was concentrating on. And I would breathe sit back and then I would soften my face. And I could instantly see how the person that I was talking to totally changed their behavior in front of me. They got softer, they leaned in when talking to me. And then slowly over time, because I was focusing on that, that became an automated thing for myself. So that as soon as I instantly feel it, I soften my brow because it was something that I really wanted to work on. And all of these things can be altered in us. We're literally like computers. We can, we can program and reprogram ourselves a million times over. It's not something that happens instantly, but it's something that we can do. So if you have a resting bitch face, you can change that. You can smile. Every single time you notice yourself not smiling, smile and be more open, especially if you're interacting with women. Because here's the thing, you are very good looking. And if all women see is this straight face continuously. Because remember, women are going to be watching you as well before you approach them, not just when you're approaching them. So if they see you smiling and then maybe going to your serious face and you can show that fluidness in you, um, that's going to make you more appealing than somebody who's just walking around with this sourpuss face on all the time. 
So you can change that. You can work on that by taking notice of it. If it's something that's important to you. So, so Marty, the next question we have from one of our users too, it's 2019. Things are changing. Things have changed a lot, obviously, since our parents or grandparents met. Mm -hmm. Um, what are the best ways to meet women now? Do you have to do online? Do you have to do apps? Can you just meet them in person? What are the best places? It depends what your lifestyle allows. I will say no matter what, everybody should be online, but just know that it is a more superficial place. It's, it's a flat place. There's no three-dimensional version of you unless you're an excellent writer. Um, so it is going to be based on judgments of your appearance and things that you write and things in your profile. So just know that and take it with a grain of salt. But if you're a super busy person who has little time to interact in real life, and I you know, hope that most single people actually can, can set aside some time to be social, then online is for you. But you should always couple that with being able to go out and socialize in real life in some way. They've done a study that recently came out and they do it every single year that says the number one way to make, sorry, to meet women and to meet people is through your friends and through your social circle. And social, social circle can even be um, the gym that you belong to, or it doesn't have to be like a social circle that you go out with socially all the time. It's just people that are in your sphere that will also say, hey, have you met Susan? Or do you want to come to this thing on Sunday that we're doing? We're going on a hike. And then you happen to meet two new girls who are super attractive, who then introduce you to other people that are in that group. So it's through people that you know, not necessarily your best friends. So if you're doing those two things, and actually there's even a third thing, if you really want to get focused on meeting somebody, you can hire a matchmaker. You can go to singles mixers um, and go to events that are just focused on singles people. Like in Los Angeles, they have a ton of single sports leagues that exist, which are super fun and engaging. And then you get to interact with a whole bunch of other people who are also single and have the time and ability to go out and socialize outside of the sports that you're doing. And there's also single people there. And it's a mix of men and women. It's, it's, it's not just like a whole bunch of dudes and three girls. It's a good mix of single people who want to have fun on the weekend. Okay. Our next question, Marnie, is that if you've, like, if you had the courage to go talk to that person, right, whether it be at the gym or at the library or at the grocery store, and then you see them for the second time, how would you approach the second conversation? Would you build on your first conversation? Oh my gosh, yes. Yes, okay. sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, of course, you always wanna build on what you've created. Same thing when you have an interaction with somebody. Let's say you're talking to someone and there's a couple of banter lines, you make her laugh for a second and you get her phone number and then you text her the next day and you start with, hi, this is Dan, we met yesterday at Whole Foods. Do you, like, if you go back down to level one, um, it's going, unless she's heavily attracted to you and very, very into you and she's already sold on you, that type of statement is going to turn her off. And nowadays with so many people having apps and so many options in front of them, sadly, you do have to stand out in some way uh, so that you can catch her attention and pull her attention for longer than 10 seconds. So if you did have a fun conversation, you want to continue with that fun conversation. So you would do a callback to something you guys were bantering about. Like, how's the quinoa treating you? I don't, I'm just throwing something out there, but like something that jumps on a, a touching point and a landing point that you had when you guys first interacted, and then you can build from that there. 
And then with texting as well, you, you definitely do want to text with purpose. So have a purpose in mind. It's not just to check in and see if she's still attracted to you. You want to make sure that there's a path and a goal behind texting. So for example, if you are texting her for that first time after you guys have interacted, it's to set up a date or it's to ask her a specific question that you really want to know that may give you ideas on how to construct a great date that you're going to ask her on two days later. Great first date ideas. What would you recommend? And does it matter where you met them? If you met them online. Oh yes. It totally matters. It totally. What are your tips on that? Um, so for first date ideas, like with so many people using Tinder and Bumble and all those apps right now, and you're going, and hopefully you're going on dates all the time. Um, you don't want to do anything super expensive. I would do like low investment level dates because you don't really know who this person is yet. You want to show that you're interested in potentially exploring and investing more. So you want to go somewhere like for drinks or for coffee or something that is a low budget, low time period that you could expand on if needed. So for example, you go for drinks and if you're having a really good time, you could take that into dinner or to more drinks or to, I don't even know, like, I don't know, bowling or some something fun that you could do if you guys are having a really good time with each other. If this is somebody that you haven't met online and you, ha- and you are more interested in, there's more of a connection with them, um, then you can go on a date that maybe costs a little bit more money and that has a longer block of time. So going for dinner or doing some sort of fun experience like going to a batting cage or going on a hike with one another, something where it gives you more time to spend with that person. Let's talk about photos on Tinder and Bumble because let's face it, no one actually is going to look at your profile. They just look at your photos. Oh my God. Yeah. What type of photos should you be having? Should you have like professionally done photos? Should you be having like I hate those. I hate professionally done photos. I think that they look so cheesy. There are some women who definitely like them because they can look more professional and it looks like a man who takes care of himself. But from my point of view, if all you have are those glamour shots or Sears photos is what I call them, like then it's, 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 it is too much. Uh, so it's funny. So I was just in Australia recently and my girlfriend, um, pulled out her phone. She's on Bumble and Hinge and Tinder. And so myself and four other women were helping her swipe. It's so funny because all the rest of us were all either married or in a couple. She was the single one. Um, and we were going through and it's, it's crazy. Just like, it is really instant. It's like, are you in, attracted to that person? Or are you not attracted to that, to that person? It just it happens to do with how they look to you, not necessarily how the photos are done. Um, but I would not do selfies or at least have four selfies in a row. I wouldn't have that as your main profile shot. The most attractive photo for me, and studies have shown this as well. There was a study recently done on OkCupid that showed the most attractive photo is a guy looking slightly off camera with a smirk on his face, enjoying his life. That is the most appealing photo that you can have. Something that's, that's like, um, like chest up or nipples up, I guess, of, that's framing your face. That is the most attractive picture. And then going deeper into the photos, if you can, if you have the ability to showcase a, a visual picture of the life that a woman would be involved in, and hopefully it's an interesting life that has many dimensions, those would be the best photos to show. So you, you know, at the gym, because that's, or you doing something that is in the, the world of health that is really 
you know, a passion for you, going to a market or something like that, showing who you are as a person, because then they can say, oh, I like doing that too. That's the world that, I, that he's involved in. That's the world I want to be involved in too. It, 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 it literally paints a picture of who you are. So if you have a daughter, I would say have one picture of your daughter in there. If you don't want your daughter's picture on there, show something else that you're a family person. It's how you want to represent yourself and how you want to show that in a visual setting. So five to seven pictures that show that. Not that I actually look up guys' profiles, but I used to be guilty of this when I was younger. I used to put a picture of myself with no shirt on. That was my Is that, is that douchebaggery at its finest? It, no, it depends because you guys are in the fitness world and that's really important to you. And there are certain girls who are going to be extremely turned on by that and be like, yeah, that guy is fit. I want to be with him. I wouldn't say have every single picture of you like that. Um, but I, I don't see a problem with it of having like one shirt or sorry, one picture with your shirt off, especially if fitness is super important to you. Okay. Interesting. So you're saying like five or seven photos, try not to make them all the same, have something that has to showcase your personality. Um, and then don't try to make them like too professional because it makes you come off as a tryhard. Yeah. Ugh. I honestly, when people show me their professional photo shots, it like, I, I have like a stomach reaction where I want to throw up. I, it, I don't like it. I, but some, it's okay to have one picture in there that is like that. If you have a limited, um, if you have limited choices for pictures, yes, throw it in there. But yeah, if you have every single picture of you having a glam shot, it's just, it's too much. So, I got one. Go ahead. Like, so let's say you're a lawyer, let's say you're a doctor, let's say you're an engineer, whatever. Should you try to like showcase yourself on, on your dating app? Like, should you try to like brag about your education or how successful you are? Or would that come off as, you know, being arrogant? Um, well, it depends how you do it. If you're purposely trying to brag or purposely trying to showcase and say, look at me, look at me, I think it'll come across that way. But no matter what, if you're showing that you're a doctor, I told you, it's all superficial online. And a person sees, a woman sees you're a doctor. I mean, that's a good thing. If every picture of you is you showing you being a doctor or something that shows that you're super rich, it may not be the most ideal thing to, again, it, it's all about your intention. Are you intending to brag about yourself or are you proud of who you are? No, if you are a doctor and you happen to be a, you know, a member of a yacht club and your life is doing extravagant things and show that that's who you are. And that's, that's ha that's a proper way to showcase who you are as a human being. So now that you got the date, okay. You go out on the date. What are you, what are the screw ups that guys are doing on the actual day that are going to prevent them from getting a second date? The biggest thing that I see guys doing is not really being themselves. They're agreeable. They don't state their opinions. They try to appease the woman, talk about things that they think only she wants to talk about. Basically, they edit down their entire personality so that they can please that woman, have connection points of, oh, me too, me too, me too. Um, and they don't flirt. They don't put themselves out there. They don't challenge a woman. And that leads to the woman walking away saying, oh, this is a nice time, but I don't really feel any chemistry with him. How much should you talk about yourself? On a date? Yeah. You should be talking about yourself a ton. That's the whole point. You're there to showcase who you are and then to also... No, no, no. Like, okay, let, me, let me rephrase that. So like, me and you were on our first date, right? Should mm -hmm. I try to be asking more about you 
or should I be talking more about myself? So like, let's say you ask a question about me. Should I, you know, short answer, flip it, to you, and then ask a question about you, or I just ramble on and on and on about myself? Like, should I try to make myself the star, or should I try to make getting to know you the the basically the most important part of the date? Well, I have a 70-30 rule. So in the very beginning, you want to have the woman get to a place where she's talking 70% of the time and you're talking 30% of the time. So you definitely don't want to um, sidestep questions of hers and just continuously put it back onto her. And you don't want to ramble on and on and on and on and on without bringing her into the conversation. So I have a lot of women that have been on our podcast who talk about like guys that they go on dates with who just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. And I know that sometimes they do this because they're nervous. And when some people get nervous, they talk a lot and they forget about the other person in front of them. Um, So what I tell women who I work with is that if they want to get this man to shut up for a second, just to you know, look him straight in the eye, put their hand on his forearm just to show that they're in this state as well. That usually gets him to calm down. But if we're talking to guys right now who may not be able to calm down on their own, the answer to the question that you were asking is yes, you should not be talking, sorry, or no, do not ramble on and on about yourself, but you definitely want to give your own opinions, share your own experiences, show a woman who you are, but then also open up that conversation so that she can contribute and she can be part of the conversation as well. Don't forget it about her while you're on the date. And I have a whole bunch of exercises that help guys do that. So similar to what I was talking about before for the, you know, frowd brow, if you start to notice that you are a rambler who can go on and on and on, you can, I, well, not right now, but usually I have a rubber band that I wear around my wrist. And in the very beginning, when I was very uncomfortable and self-conscious and high anxiety, um, when I would start to notice that I was getting into that space, I would click on that rubber band. I would snap it so that I gave my body some sort of signal to get out of my head and get back into my body. And then whatever it was that I was trying to alter, I would be able to alter because it's that moment of, okay, I'm doing this. Let's stop doing it and do something else. Um, so for guys, if they notice that they are ramblers or they're getting feedback that they talk a lot about themselves, they can use the rubber band. And when they start to notice that they're doing it, they can snap it. And that's a signal for them to say, oh my gosh, I'm rambling. Tell me about you when you were five years old. What were the classes that you took or whatever conversation you guys were having just so that it signals to them to then open it up to her. I got a lot to work on because I have a resting bitch face and I'm a rambler. Oh my God. Horrible. (laughs) Do you really? No, seriously. Do you really have that? I do. Yeah. Really? Okay. So what do you, why are you a rambler? I'm so like, I love, love, love nutrition and bodybuilding and things like that. So someone will ask me a question and instead of giving them the short answer, I'll ramble on for like five hours about it. (laughs) Like when you ask me about organic, Instead of just saying like, yeah, organic is, is better than conventional. You know, you should buy organic whenever possible. I kind of said, well, organic now is having the same problems as traditional produce because these big companies are now buying organic. These big companies are now running the same monoculture things. What you really want to be finding is local and sustainable versus organic. I went on and on and on and on. And then I talked about how organic regulations are national. So a place like China even though it's certified organic, who knows what their organic regulations actually are. So like that would be a perfect example. Like we could be, we could be at Whole Foods and you could be like, Hey, I noticed a lot of organic produce in in your cart. Do you always buy organic? Instead of me saying something like, yeah, you know, I I try to buy organic whenever possible. I would give you a 20 minute answer about why it's important to buy organic. 
Okay. Well, number one, you know that you do this, right? So you can put a stop to it at a certain point. If it's something that you're noticing, that's killing a vibe between you and a girl. I, I will say like, if you want the female perspective, I, when I talk to, okay, I, I talk to a lot of attractive people and the first answer, when you answer back for like a 10 minute explanation, it's nice, it's passionate, it's cool. But I do find that if it continues where this person is continuing to talk that way without bringing me into the conversation, without acknowledging that I'm there, um, the assumption that I make is I'm not interesting enough for them. Um, We're not connecting at all. And then my feeling inside my body is deflated where I'm like, why am I even a part of this conversation? So if, if you want to be passionate the first time that you answer a question, that's totally wonderful. If you want to alter that so that you can give that first response that you gave to the girl to actually, you know, make a connection with her and then maybe you can go to dinner where you have a longer conversation about organic produce. Um, you, you can adjust these things for yourself. If you notice that it's, it's, not working for you. Um, but for right now, I would say for you to catch yourself doing these things. And you can even say like, let's not talk about food at all because I know that I get into a place where I can't stop talking about it. I'm so passionate about it. But if you want to hear about organic, I can talk your ear off for half an hour. But if not, like, let's talk about Trump. I don't know. (laughs) Something else that will get you very far off, even though that could lead you towards the organic topic. But something that can get you very far off of something that you know gets you into this negative space that doesn't necessarily build the attraction you're wanting to. So Marty, now, now let's say the day goes well, you want to see her again. I'm assuming you should probably be honest with her and tell her up front, right? On the date, like, Hey, I think you're awesome. I want to see you again. You shouldn't just like be like, okay, yeah, I'll text you later and wait three days to text her. That's what some guys do. So what is I mean, for? you can do that, but in the world today, because you have like 18 guys who are on your Tinder and Bumble, like it's, if, listen, the three-date rule used to exist for a reason um, because it would build up the tension. It would build up the second guessing about whether or not he likes you. That was kind of nice. And having her think about you for a little bit is kind of nice. But now in today's world, like, you you can't leave that much space because there's multiple other people who are going to sweep it. So I always say at the very end of a date, you want to be specific and confident, right? So you do a call back to the date. I enjoyed learning about X, Y, Z or tease her in some way. Like, you know, maybe she told you a story about when she was seven years old and peed in her pants, something like, I'm glad you didn't pee on this date. Very refreshing, something bantery and fun. And then say, but I really enjoyed hanging out tonight. I definitely want to do this again. What are you doing next X, Y, and Z? Or you say, I definitely want to do this again. I don't know my schedule yet for next week, but I'll text you in the next couple of days and we'll make plans to hang out next week. Marty, one question I have for you is jealousy. So let's say, let's say myself, for example, if I have a close female friend that's Mm. platonic and I just started dating a new girl, would I ever introduce her to that female friend or would I try to keep my female friends and our relationship separate? Um, no, that's your world. That's your world. This is your friend. And the thing is you can't control her jealousy, right? If she happens to be a jealous person, that's something that she has to work on. I would definitely not wait five months to introduce you, introduce her to your female friends because then that seems even weirder. Why have you not introduced me to this girl? What is going on between the two of you? 
you have to be proud of your world and your friendships. And if she does have an issue with it, I would give her as much information as possible or that she needs to help calm her down. So you can say, this is my friend, Karen, that I've known for like 15 years. We work out at the gym together. She's awesome. You'll really like her and introduce her that way. And if you do start to notice something that maybe she is uncomfortable or it has triggered something within this other girl, you can say, I just, you know, I noticed that when we did meet my friend, um, you got a little, a little tense. I just want to reassure you and let you know, like my female friends are my female friends. I'm totally into you. Something like that, depending on what it is that you see in front of you or what she expresses to you, you can alter that conversation, but you always want to bring it back to like, she's awesome. She's my great friend. She's always going to be my great friend, but you are the girl that I'm seeing right now. You're freaking sexy. I'm into you. So let's move past this. Steve, can I, can I be selfish and ask for some personal advice? Go ahead, man. Go ahead. <laughs> this, so this, this happened uh, Sunday night. So Sunday night I go to like a young adults church. So oh, nice. there's this, this girl I've been eyeing for a while. And I finally had the courage to talk to her. She's like total like bombshell. Um, she's a European girl. She's from Poland. I kind of assumed she would be a ditz just cause like, she's like right. super good looking, like, like always very well dressed and like very put together. But I started talking to her and it turns out she's a graduate student as well. So I'm like, wow, like she's Amazing. smart. She's, she's attractive. Now the problem is, is that, I go to this church with my friend Alexa and Alexa is this super, super gorgeous girl. So I drove there with Alexa. So this girl saw me leaving with another girl. Great. Driving together. So, but this is even, this is, it builds even more is that Alexa has a learning disability and that's why I normally drive with Alexis because she's like suffers from like major social anxiety. So even something like, ordering a tea she'll like freak out and like black out which is really weird because this girl is like alexa's drop dead gorgeous so what i'm worried about is that this girl saw me come with alexa when i was with alexa i was like being like overly courteous like i bought her a coffee like i was like hey i saved us some spots like we're sitting right there so like it kind of would like the outside looking in would assume that i was dating alexa right talking to this polish chick how, and I just, I met her for the first time. So now when I see her this Sunday, how do like, I kind of tell her Alexa is just a friend without you coming off like too aggressive because like, I've just spoken to this girl for like 30 minutes. Like I barely know her name. We'll figure out some sort of story that you can talk about with Alexa in it, where you say my friend Alexa. So you can, or you can ask her to come sit with the two of you and then just mainly pay attention to her. Um, but at some way weave in that, my friend Alexa, like, why don't you come sit with me, my friend? So that it's, it's something that you're putting out there. Friend, 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 friend. Um, you could even say, it's so funny because some people always assume that Alexa and I are together, uh, but we're just really good friends. You just have to casually weave that in to your conversation in some way and not harp on it for too long. And then just continue acting normal and awesome and pay attention to her. Also paying a friend to your friend, Alexa and pulling her into the conversation for the three of you to talk. Um, and then making sure that while the three of you are talking, you aren't really being touchy-feely with your friend Alexa and focusing more on the Russian girl. But again, it's just, it's just, it's just owning what the situation is 
calling it out a little bit in a very casual way to deflate everything and maybe set her mind at a better place so that she can actually concentrate on you. And then at the very end, even in front of your friend, Alexa, you can say, you know, yeah, like I'd love to get your number so we can go, whatever you're talking about, go do X, Y, and Z together next week. What if you're problem- doing it in front of your friend, then it doesn't seem skeezy. I was going to say, what a problem poor Trevor has. He has all these- I know, poor friends. guy. And then we got our listeners who came and get a date. But um, let's talk about sex a little bit. Um, I've, you know, I've heard from a lot of um, different matchmakers that having sex with a woman before you're, you know, monogamous or before you're, right. you know, serious can, can crush the trust. And, um, you know, I've had that happen in my past as well. Like, um, is that something that you believe in or is that something where, you know what, on a first date, Tinder, go have sex and you can still have a second date and like nothing happened. What, what's your advice on that? Wait, what, do you, what do you mean have a second date? No, I'm saying like, if you meet a girl on Tinder, you just hook up with her. Is she going to expect, yeah, this guy's just looking to hook up with me and you'll probably never talk to her again. Or is that something you can still end up six months or a year from now be married? Is that not, is that realistic? Yeah, you. Well, again, two people are involved in this, but I mean, you would be a hero if you did call a woman after sleeping with her on the first date from Tinder. Like, she would probably be in shock afterwards because most often they're going to walk away thinking, "Oh my god, what did I just do? I can't believe I just just slept with him. We had an amazing time. He's so not going to call me." Because that's that's the typical protocol, right? That's what they they have built into their brain is going to happen. So yes, absolutely, you continue can continue dating and enjoying each other and potentially end up in marriage if you do sleep with each other on the first date. Listen, there's sometimes when I've been with guys and I'm really enjoying, we're having a good time. Um, we're not dating for a long period of time, but we do like fool around or we do have sex. And then I'm like, that really, you know, nailed that put the nail in the coffin for me. He's, this is not the person that I want. So sometimes the sexual experience is an important element to decide whether or not you guys are compatible or whether or not you actually have those lasting feelings with somebody. So I'm not opposed to people having sex on first dates or fifth dates and then deciding afterwards it's not for them. What I am opposed to is is misleading somebody into thinking that it's more than it is in order to have sex. Like I have this one client the other day who wrote to me saying like for right now he's trying to go after you know, after less attractive girls so that he can get his practice in, which I don't really like that he's doing, but whatever, he, he's having fun with people and he's not misleading them. But there was this one girl who was a virgin that he was dating and they were making out in the car and she said to him, she's like, I really, you know, I, I want to know what it is that you want. Is this like serious for you? Is this not serious for you? And he goes, yeah, it's totally serious. Not being truthful with her. And they almost had sex. They didn't end up having sex. She put a stop to it, thank God. But that would have been absolutely horrendous for her one week later to have him say, yeah, like I'm not really into this girl, but I just took her virginity from her, misled her into thinking that I wanted something more. That's going to crush her and have her put up a barrier towards other men. Uh, So it's not beneficial for anybody. Again, some misleading, no good. Having sex on the first date, as long as it's consensual, awesome. Uh, building on this, like, let's say you're, you met a woman at church, right? So like Christian, Christian principles that you don't have sex from marriage. Very few people actually follow that protocol, but generally speaking, like that's Christian principles. 
or you met a girl, you know, at the university, maybe someone you work with or things like that. Should you have this grown up conversation about sex and, and, and talk about, you know, yeah. or should you kind of just wait until it happens? Well, I think you should definitely have this conversation. If it's something that's extremely important to you and it's a value of yours, you don't have to go into into like a three-hour conversation about it. But it, it could be something that could bring you closer together to understand where she's coming from and her view on sex and where you're coming from and your view on sex. Uh, it can tell you so much about a person. And if they happen to share that strong of a value with you, um, that, that's a pretty important area to connect with somebody. So yes, for sure you should talk about it. So, if, so again, if it's very important to you and you have, you have certain boundaries or limitations surrounding sex. Let's say you met this person at church. Would you basically phrase the situation on, um, I'm not sure if you're saving for marriage or what your, what your philosophy on sex before marriage is, but the only reason I haven't made a move yet is because I respect you. Um, I would like to pursue that, but I don't, I don't want to rush, uh, rush you in there. Would you kind of like phrase it like that? Like, oh my God, that was, yes, amazing. I would love if somebody said that to me. That's amazing. Because it's, it's, it's stating your point of view. It's not just like putting the pressure on her to say, okay, well, what's your position on sex? It's saying, listen, I'm, I'm totally into you. I'm really enjoying the time that we're spending together. But I want to let you know this is where I'm coming from. I, I would love to pounce on you right now, but I have a strong belief around sex. And I believe that X, Y, and Z, whatever, fill in the blank for your own description. Um, and I wanted to know what you thought about that or how you feel about sex. I think that's amazing. So I have a question that kind of ties into that. I'm not single now, but when I was single, I did I did do like all kinds of dating and stuff. And I noticed women my age, because you know I'm almost 40, the women who don't have kids, literally they hit you on a first date or second date about kids. And it's yeah. like- What do they want to know? It's, and it's one of those things where um, what happens like if you're- you know, at that age, and it's one of our user questions as well, because he's 40 and he, his complaint is that his girlfriend dumped him because they had been together for months and he told her from the start, Hey, I don't want kids, but she stuck with him anyway, which women tend to do. They'll, yeah. they'll still, because they're like, I can change him, but his mind never changed. So she ends up dumping him after, you know, six months or a year. What, you know, what, what's your opinion on that? Is that something where, you know, if you're, if you're in that situation and could you just come out and say, look, I don't want kids and just let the girl move on. But I mean, does that, what I'm getting at is there are a lot of women who are still cool with, you know, kind of being, you know, more agreeable to a consensus on kids. Or is that something where, boom, I mean, you said in the beginning of the podcast that you had kids. So that's why I'm kind of curious your opinion. Well, the thing is, is that it's a, it's a strong value for her. She knows in her mind that she wants to have a family and she wants to find that out sooner than later. And most, and this must be like a, you know, a, a, a social pressure or society norm thing that women have in their head or people have in their head. Like most, you think most people want a family. So maybe he's saying this right now, but maybe that's not really what he thinks. Right. So it's not like a woman's like, I'm going to change him or he's going to change. It's, maybe he's really not so serious about that statement right now. And as they continue to date, um, he, this man can reiterate to her that this is something that is a strong value to him. And just what I, you know, what I was saying to Trevor to, to explain that fully so that the woman understands what she's getting into in a very loving and caring way saying like, I'm totally into you, but 
I can sense you really want a family. I want to reiterate to you, like, I know I'm not going to have children. You know, the the second day you can bring it up. Yeah, I'm not really a family person. But as you get deeper into a relationship and you notice things like she's like ogling over a baby and you, you want to take away from that moment, you know, let you guys have your moment to ogle over a baby. And then half an hour later saying like, I I wanted to bring something up with you. I know this may not be what you want to hear. I did say it on our second date, but I'm not that guy for you. Um, And if she doesn't hear it, then, then that's on her. If you're being very straight and clear about the fact that you do not want to have children, but you love children and she doesn't hear it. Yes. That is sadly on her. It's sad. It's sad for you as well. Um, and if you start to notice that this is something that really is an issue for her, then it's also on you to end that relationship. Cause you're kind of doing the same thing as the guy you're going, you're knowing she wants to have a baby. You don't want to have a baby. She keeps ogling children, wanting children, but you keep continuing down this path. So that's a long winded answer to what you were asking, but I think open communication, especially with people that you're in a relationship with about where you are, what you want and your future goals, especially as you get past a 35 year old mark where things are a little bit more limited, um, the faster you can have those conversations and the more clear you can be on what both of you guys want, the better. I, I just feel like, I feel like, you know, like when I was, when I was dating people, I'd have to lie to them. Why would you lie? I, well, because I, I'm 95, 90% not wanting kids. I, you know, it's just, I love, well, I, like you said, I love kids. It's just, I don't want to maybe bring a kid into this horrible world that we live in. Cause there's a lot of bad shit going on and, and maybe I don't want to wait, you know, be up till 12 midnight waiting for my teenage daughter to come home and then get a call from the, no, but see the, the statements like that are the difficult ones for women to hear because they're like, Oh, he's 90% there, but there's 10%, but there's nothing wrong with being honest. And listen, I have two kids and I, this might be horrible to say, but if I were to take a step back, I, I would heavily debate with my husband a bit more about having children. This has been a whirlwind, a life changer. It's completely, your life before is gone. So if, if your real stance is, I'm, I know I don't want to have children. I'm going to be, I don't want to be up at 12 o'clock. I don't want to give away my life on the weekends. I like sitting on the couch and enjoying my life, which I'm jealous of that you don't have kids and you can do that. But if that's your true belief, then that's what you have to state. Saying I'm 90% sure that's that's the kind of worst thing to say to a woman because it means that there's hope there that you're not sure because you're not you know married yet and you don't have that full picture in place so again if you truly know then you you got to say that straight out and especially if you if if you know that she really wants that then you have to be as honest as possible and you have to be honest in relationships. Like as you get deeper into a relationship, holding back on what you really believe and what you really want, that's going to bite you in the ass every single time because you're trying to please somebody else. And then it leads you down a path that you may not have a return from. So be as honest as possible. And if you are wavering on it, you can say that. You can say, listen, I don't, I don't know what I want, but right now I'm leaning towards no. Martin, we've got time for one more question. My question yeah. on first dates. So let's say I have a first date with a woman. We're going to go for drinks. So there's not really a dress code. I mean, for drinks, you could wear a t-shirt, you could wear a blazer, you could wear whatever. How well done up should I be? Should I, should I shave or should I have like some facial hair? Should I do my hair nice? Should I 
wear a blazer, should I wear a t-shirt? And then same thing with her. If she comes completely done up, does that, is that a good sign? If she comes not done up, does that mean she's comfortable around me? Um, what are your thoughts on how to dress for a first date? I mean, you always want to be your best self and showcase your best self. Depends on where you live. Like in Los Angeles, we can go out to a really nice restaurant in flip-flops, like a cool pair of shorts, like with your hair kind of scruffy. And that is the look. Like as long, you know, you fit in with the rest of the crowd and that's totally acceptable and awesome and can be very attractive. So it depends on where you live. I always like when a guy can put himself together really well, whether he's wearing flip-flops and shorts. I want those flip-flops and shorts to fit him right, to be very cool, um, for him to have a little bit of scruff on his face. Like I want him to look good. I don't want a guy who looks like he just threw something on, food all over his shirt, um, completely, you know, uh, unshaven for a long period of time, not trimming his beard, like somebody who looks like they don't take care of themselves. But I will say there's lots of guys out there who do find girlfriends and do find their matches with somebody who is kind of like them as well. I'm just trying to give the best opportunities as possible. So long answer to a short question. Look good, put yourself together well, and dress the part for the area that you live in. I will say my girlfriend, she went through my wardrobe and cleaned everything out. Oh, so yeah. I, I had no clue how to dress or anything. She got me dressed nice. See? <laughs> so, yeah, don't, if, if women are listening to this, don't give up on a guy like me who's a complete moron when it comes to dressing. Because you can well, dress- see that? But that means a lot about you, right? So she didn't like how you dressed, but she liked everything else about you. That's pretty good, too. That means well, my, my outfit on our first date was actually my one good outfit. So See, I there you lucky. go. I wore the right thing. <laughs> you can have that. Although it is funny because I have like one of my friends, Zach, he goes to the same restaurant every single time for a date so that he knows the people there. He's comfortable. He's, he knows the menu. He doesn't get nervous about the menu, but he has like three outfits that he wears that are like his good outfits that a stylist helped pick him out that he knows like makes his body look good. He's comfortable in, but it's funny because one of the people that work at that restaurant was like, why do you always wear the same thing? Why are you always dressed the same way? Cause he's been going there for a couple of years, but there's nothing wrong with that. I, I think it's like, I think it's great. If you have your one good outfit, and you wore that or you wear that on your dates, keep doing it. So I got one more, one more quick question. Trevor's making yeah. me um, come off because we're at an hour. Valentine's Day is coming up. Give us some ideas for those of us who maybe have been dating someone a few dates, maybe been, you know, you know, a year or maybe married. What are some cool ideas to get the women that's not a cliche and that she won't, she'll actually like? Well, you always have to know who the person is that you're dating what they appreciate. So I would say if you've been on a couple of dates that most people would like, like a candle would be nice. Nothing that really has substantial meaning behind it, but like nice things that girls like. Um, some flowers, a candle, maybe a book, like something interesting that you, you know, that would be appreciated. But as you go further into the dating sphere and you guys get to know each other more, you want to make those gifts more personalized for her. So for example, you guys are a year into the relationship and you know, I don't know, what is your girlfriend like? Like, what is she really into? I'll give you some ideas. Well, I mean, what I usually do is I go to the mall with her and she'll come out. She'll be like, Oh, I love this. Oh, I love this. So I'll basically, well, her looking snap a picture or whatever she says, and then I'll come back and buy it for her. 
Oh, yeah. see, that's sweet because you're paying attention. Yeah. But that's but that okay. So th- that right there shows that you're paying attention to her needs. Okay, it may not be that you're coming up with something so like unique and wonderful, which I mean would be appreciated a bit more. But the fact that you're 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 paying attention, you're taking a picture. I would even you know print out a copy of that picture and have that as your card for her and write the card on the back saying like with a date on it, I think that would be really cute to do. Um, but showing that you're paying attention to her and you're not just in that state now where you're just with her and she's shopping. You're so annoyed that she's shopping and not paying attention to anything that's really important to her. So I think that's, that's perfect. When is Valentine's day? The 14th of February? Yes. Okay. I was like, I don't even know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now now I have a plan because now I'm going to try to get this uh, Polish chick's number and then text with her yeah. and ask her, give me plans for Valentine's Day because that's coming up. That's less than a month away. Mm, okay. I would try and go on a date before Valentine's Day. But again, if you guys, listen, if you guys are into each other and it is clear that there is some sort of chemistry, you can ask her over Valentine's Day. Okay. Valentine's Day is a pretty high pressure day. It's a, if, if you just started dating, it's, it's very challenging for like a first date, unless it's announced that yes, this is Valentine's day, but I don't care. We're going out. I love, I love Valentine's day, by the way. I love romance. So Mar, Marty, are you doing, still doing in-person stuff in, out there in LA for any of our listeners who want to meet with you? Or no, is it just, I, just I online? don't. I don't, but I have other wing girls um, who do that for me. So I actually, uh, only in Los Angeles and then in Toronto as well, we have live sessions. Most of what I do is I do email coaching with people, um, but I have systems that I've put together. That we'll, have that, we'll have that in the show notes, but can you tell the people listening through audio um, how they can get in touch with you? Yeah, you. go to winggirlmethod.com or listen to the Ask Women podcast, where I do a much better job of explaining the stuff that I've explained on this show. <laughs> It's okay. Same, same thing happens when I do when I do a guest podcast on someone about nutrition. I'm after the podcast. I'm like, oh my goodness, I wish I talked about this. This, this I know. Thing. But you're gonna help a lot of people. And remember, a lot of our listeners, they've never actually had a woman give them advice. So this is like groundbreaking stuff for them. Okay, good. That makes me feel better. Thank you. You did a really good job. I learned a lot. Oh, good. I'm glad. I honestly like both of both of you were like so stoic in the beginning. It was, I, I got flustered. I get, I, listen, I still get anxious. I don't have my rubber band on my wrist anymore. I got very flustered by that. What's funny though, before the podcast, Trevor and I were talking about our resting heart rate and we both have resting heart rates in the forties because we're in such great shape. So that's really? probably what you're saying. We're just so damn calm. We get our aggression in the weight, in the weight room and, and through yoga and stuff. I got a big from yoga. So I got all my aggression out. So, I'm, so you're like totally zenned out on the other end. That's, exactly. that's what it was. Okay. For me, I was like, oh my God, you hate me. That's honestly what I kept thinking in my mind. I'm like, I'm, and then it got me flustered. So <laughs> glad that I finally calmed down. I got you to crack a smile once. And then I was like, okay, now I'm good. Part of the problem is like, we're normally interviewing doctors and they're so serious and they're all like this clinical trial with 30. So it's, it's kind of just like our normal guests, but you, you gave us some really, really good advice that, you know, we need to stop being so damn serious. Okay, good. I'm glad. <laughs> and I definitely want whatever you're going to send about, or the organic um, oregano that you said. But what else, what else can I do? Sorry that I'm asking you health questions now. For my kids, like what, what do I keep them away from? What, do, like what can I do so that this does not happen to my child? So you're asking particularly about the E. coli outbreak. It's E. coli, 07, um, whatever was in that lettuce 
last year that is very deathly to kids who are between the ages of two to five. Okay. So this is for our listeners, the podcast done. If you want to keep listening, I'll keep oh, listening. Sorry. <laughs> um, so E. coli, that's a pathogenic bacteria, right? So one of the best natural antibacterials is oil of oregano. It's similar to this same idea as an anti antibiotic, but antibiotics are way stronger and are going to wipe out your entire digestive flora, which is what you don't want because you do need some good bacteria in your intestines, right? So oil of oregano, natural antibacterial, that will kill the E. coli. And then when it comes to things like E. coli outbreaks and things like that, the problem is it's all factory farmed. So like when you have these massive, like massive operations, whether it be livestock or anything, things spread so easily because everything is in such close contamination. Um, The problem with conventional livestock is that if one chicken gets sick, because you have 50,000 chickens all beside each other, it's going to spread like wildfire, right? So that's why all of our conventional livestock is full of antibiotics and things like that is because they they can't diagnose the individual chicken. They have to diagnose the herd because everyone's in such close proximity. Does that make sense? Yeah, completely. Right. So the same problem is happening with conventional livestock whether it be produce or anything like that is because it's all monocultures and it's the same spinach strain over and over and over and over and over and over for like acres and acres and acres and acres, any sort of virus or anything like that is going to spread like wildfire. So that's why I was talking about the importance of local and sustainable is because on a local small farm that can't happen. Cause you know, you're going to maybe have an acre of spinach and there'll be an acre of corn an acre of sweet potato or things like that. You're not going to have that rapid contamination. Now, like you said, the problem is finding local isn't easy because now as a society, we're all mass market, you know, we're Costco and things like that. Best option, we go to a farmer's market. If you Google community share farm and your location, how that works is you basically, you are almost buying a part of a farm. So you would pay the farmer a thousand bucks up front or something like that. And then for 25 weeks or 30 weeks, every farm is a little bit different they'll drop off a box of fresh produce at your door once a week. Okay. But then how do you make sure that that isn't contaminated? Because I, honestly, while you were speaking, I kept thinking, oh, then I should just buy like all of this GMO antibiotic stuff just to make sure that none of these things are happening. Like how, how do I know that that farmer is on the ball, not going through a divorce and completely distracted and watching the lettuce to make sure that one of his romaine lettuces have not been contaminated to be completely honest with you you can't it's impossible exactly but he's going to care more we talked about this the last episode with our our guy marty i mean a farmer is going to care more if he's a small town farmer he's going to in california you have a lot of farmers to the east of you i mean they're going to care they're not going to want to give you like stuff that's contaminated right but a big company ruins their business you're right i mean a big you're company right. is gonna not care like if you go to walmart and buy stuff they don't care they ship their stuff in they don't they don't care what's in their stuff well, so i mean Marty, no, you're, you're absolutely right if you like shopping for a personal trainer right and asking the question how do i know that this personal trainer isn't gonna hurt me like he's not gonna show me incorrect form you really don't know i mean right. when it comes down to it there's always a risk Anytime you put something in your mouth, whether it be water, food, supplements, there's a risk that you need it. But if you just go to some mass market gym, you just pick some random personal trainer, Steve, right. chances are he had a weekend course. He's been working there for three weeks. He doesn't know what the hell he's doing. 
you know, right. this is a temporary job for him because he doesn't know what he wants to do with his life. Or if you go to like a local gym, you know, you meet some guy, he's been personal training for 20 years. He's really, really passionate about it. Chances are with his experience level, with his passion, he's going to be more invested in your personal training. He's going to be more invested in your workout. He's going to be actually present. He's not going to be on your phone during your whole workout. He's going to, you know, watch your form and be like, Hey, while you were squatting, I noticed that you're putting more weight in your left hip. Did you possibly have a knee injury or anything like that? But again, there is a chance that you might get hurt with that really good personal trainer. Just like there's a chance with everything, with everything, but you're minimizing the chances. But if you look at the oat breaks, whether it be E. coli, salmonella, they were never on small factory. They were never on small farms. They were always on large scale operations. Right. If so, you look at E. coli, it was from some like garden fresh salad company that's producing salad for half of half of the fast food restaurants. Like I promise you, if you look it up, it'll be some massive corporation. It's not going to be some local farmer who that chick bought his lettuce at the farmer's market the week before. It's going to be some massive corporation. Right. You're absolutely right. Okay. That was really helpful. Thank you. And so the oregano, if, if I give this to them on a, or myself, I guess, on a daily basis, that can help just build it. Yeah. So, so the oil of oregano is the product we formulated. Um, it's a very, very good antibacterial and antiviral, but it's natural. So it's not going to affect your digestive flora. So a lot of uh, musicians and things like that take it because they want to prevent themselves from getting sick. A lot of athletes take it on a regular basis because it'll help prevent them from getting sick. The problem with oil of oregano is it tastes absolutely horrible. So ours is flavored. I've had it before. Yeah, it's gross. <laughs> like, and that's probably like just thinking logically, that's probably why it's such a good antibacterial antiviral is like probably the bacteria and viruses in your intestines are just like, oh my goodness, they probably just get like wiped out by it because it tastes so bad. But yeah, it's it's something you can be taking daily. I'll send you a couple of bottles to try. Okay, thank you. One piece of advice for you. When you are talking really passionately with a woman that you're interested in, because like passion is awesome. Passion is super sexy. Try to smile more. Yeah. Because like when you were just explaining that to me and you were smiling, I was like, oh, this feels nice to hear this information. But if you can touch her too, not on her hand, but maybe on her forearm or like her leg or her thigh or something, if you can connect with her in that way while you're talking about something passionate so that you're always making note of the fact that she's there, and not that you're just going into your own world, I think that'd be really helpful for you. I, I hope I didn't screw it up with the Polish chick. I went on no, a you got a second chance. That's the wonderful thing. You're, you're fine. Well, I went on a 10 minute rant about cholesterol. Cause she was, <laughs> no, she was, she was asking like, <laughs> she was asking like what I did that morning. And I was like, unfortunately I wasn't able to go to church. I was doing some blood eligibility screening at the university. And she's like, well, if you were drawing blood from the participants, wouldn't that only take like an hour? I'm like, no, 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 it's not, it's not that simple because when you have your blood, you have to centrifuge it to take out the red blood cells and the white blood cells because you don't really use the plasma. Then when you have your plasma, that's what you actually do, the cholesterol. And I just like rambled on for 20 minutes about cholesterol. Well, that's fine. But in, so next time you start doing that as well, ask the person, do you want to hear about this? I can talk for 20 minutes or I can shorten this. Just, just check back in with them. It's, it's all about just remembering that that person is in front of you. Like even if you're talking to a random person, about health, who's even asked you a question. Like you can say, do you want me to give you the short answer or do you want me to give you the in-depth answer? So that they're, they're a part of this journey that you guys are taking together, right? And they're not forgotten. What I should have done is I should be like, hey, wait here. I'm gonna go to my car. I'm gonna get my gloves. I'm gonna get my needle. We're gonna <laughs> real world. 
See, there you go. That's so flirty and amazing. That would be wonderful. And next time, just either don't do that. I don't, think, I don't think taking blood out of someone is. is no, I mean, you could just joke about doing that. Just be like, wait here. And I'm going to, you know, you could just make that as a joke or something playful between the two of you. And next time that you see her in some way, even with, you know, the, about your, your friend being with you and mentioning that she's your friend, if it's really something that's bothering you that you want to announce to her that you're a rambler, that you're really passionate about health, just bring it back into the conversation and just say it. When I get really excited about health, I cannot stop talking about it. So if you want me to, if you want me to stop, punch me in the arm, make it something that's interactive and playful between the two of you so that she can be a part of it. And then if she is wanting to be flirty with you, she's going to punch you. Okay. So that's, it can be a good thing. Cause I can show you, okay, she's playing around with me now. I like it. One, one more thing is that Alexa is a learning disability, right? So when Alexa sees someone new, she like kind of freezes and will like stare at that person. So Alexa like stare, like stared oh at the- God, so she has a resting bitch face too. Yeah, so <laughs> the, the bad thing is that now this Polish chick is like, okay, Alexa's probably scoping me out because this is Trevor's girlfriend and she's been staring at me for 10 minutes. So like, yeah, this is, this is, a, this is, a, this is a very unique situation. Hmm. I wonder if Alexa has a learning disability or a potential crush on you. Hmm. No, she's a diagnosed learning disability. I don't know. Really? That like makes her stare and makes her not be able to order coffee? She suffers from like major social anxiety. So Oh wow, okay. So like like even me, like let's say you invited me over to your house, a little bit of me would be like, Well, like am I gonna say the right things? I hope I don't get in in her personal space, like she has kids, like kids and like like I think those things too, but I force myself to still go, right? Because right. I know that the positives will outweigh the negatives. But if you suffer from social anxiety, those negatives will be like the primary thing you're focusing on and you'll kind of just like freeze. It'll be like, it, it's, it's hard to explain. It's something like you'll only really explain when you've actually like met these people. Okay. Uh, I know a couple of people at the university who suffer from it as well. And they're like really, really nice people once you get to know them but they're just like sounds really hard it is really tough and like she's a really sweet girl but she like really puts herself down and things like that and like even something like ordering coffee she'll freak out because she'll be like what if i don't have a history of abuse like what what happened in her childhood or you don't never mind you don't have to share that with me i think there was something but it's i'm pretty sure there was something but it's it's never a question i've asked just because there's so many layers to this onion but Even something like ordering coffee, she'll freak out. Like, what if I don't have enough, the right change on me? What if like they're out of what I ordered? What if like. Okay. So everything makes her nervous. There must be some sort of history there. Oh, that's really sad for her. Well, with this other girl, um, if you do go on a date, if you can have like a 30 second little explanation about this, just to ease her mind a little bit, like something that doesn't completely embarrass your friend, but can educate the Russian girl on Alexa, it would be really helpful. Because if she does become a person who is in your life, um, just her having that understanding of your relationship and care towards Alexa and what Alexa's going through will be really helpful for her to not have jealousy and to not have animosity towards your really close friend, which will cause more anxiety in Alexa. Marnie, we really, really appreciate you doing this podcast. Your host, written for our co-host, Steve Smee. And for our special guest, Marnie, your wing girl, it's been another episode of Evolutionary Radio. Live your life, look good doing it. Thanks for listening.